Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Hey, I had a text message here. Um, it's a great thought, Shane Heckman. Uh, never text me if you don't want mentioned. All right? He said there's an interesting quote that came to his mind by Viktor Frankl. All that is to give light must endure burning. All that is to give light must endure burning. Great quote, isn't it? Amen. Well, it is good. I, I love going once in a while, and I love coming back. I love to come home to our church. Amen? All right. hope you're doing well. I forgot something. I'm gonna, I, I do not have a presentation, keynote, PowerPoint presentation today. I changed gears early this morning. I was going to preach to you something I was going to preach a couple weeks ago, and then this felt like I needed to focus kind of on the baptism, some that we're doing today. So um, you'll just have to pay attention to me and forget the screen. Amen? Let me read this to you, okay, as a way of introduction. This is something I had wrote in the mandate, devotional that I wrote, and this was for October 10th. I think it would have been 2014. All right, and I'll just read it to you rather than tell you the story. I remember one morning I asked our financial secretary, Teresa, to go to Staples to pick me up an item I needed for my computer. I knew Staples opened at 8 a.m., and because she had another errand to run, she could pick it up for me. When she got there, she called to tell me they didn't open until 10 a.m. I wasn't happy because I needed it, and the wait was going to hold me up for at least an hour. The more I thought about it, the more incredulous I was. It made no sense for an office supply store to open after people are already at work. So I looked on its website to see what it said in regard to the store hours. There there it was, in black and white, 8 a.m. opening. I called her back and told her the store was open, but she said the door was locked. Not to be deterred, I called Staples, and I asked what time the store opened, and I was told they opened at 8 a.m. Now I was getting ticked off. The website said 8 a.m. The store phone messaging system said 8 a.m., And now I talked to a real live employee who said they open at 8 a.m. So I called her back and told her that Staples was indeed open. She went to the door and she knocked, prompting the manager to come out. Teresa told him that her boss told her he called and was told the store opened at 8 a.m. But the door was locked and the sign said open at 10. He responded by telling her, I probably spoke with a call center and they weren't always aware of the right hours. Now, I was more incredulous. How in the world could Staples' website say 8 a.m., a voice message say 8 a.m., and the employee I spoke with say 8 a.m., but a sign and a manager say they don't open until 10 a.m.? Teresa even went so far as to send me a picture of the hours with her phone. I was within inches of calling them to ask them what kind of place they were running, but I didn't. Teresa was finally able to get me what I needed after the store did indeed open at 10 a.m. When she brought the item to me, I could not believe what I saw. Are you ready for this? It was in a Best Buy bag. That's right, Best Buy. All this time, I thought she was at Staples, and she was at Best Buy. I was calling Staples, and she was standing in the front of Best Buy. 
I was talking to a Staples employee on the phone, and she was talking to the Best Buy manager. (laughs) I was looking for the hours for Staples online, and she was sending me photos of the Best Buy hours. Needless to say, we laughed and laughed. We clearly not were not understanding each other that morning. I was so glad I did not call Staples okay, tell, and tell Staples it needed to get everybody on the same page about knowing the hours of the operation. A lack of understanding or a missed message or a misunderstanding can lead us to do things we're better off not doing. How many know getting the message right is really important? And the message that you receive is the message that you will act upon. And if you received the wrong message, how many of you know it might just be that you then react in a wrong way? And where is she hiding? <laughs> that, was a, it was, that was a great, great moment. Why am I saying that? Because today I'm going to talk to you. I, I think I'll just call this the message. All right? I think I'll just call this the message this morning. We'll see how it goes. All right? I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I want to begin with one verse, verse 41, that says this. Verse 41, Acts chapter 2. So then, those who had received his word or his message were baptized. And that day, there were added about 3,000 souls. Those who received his message were baptized, and that day we're added about 3,000 souls. Father, would you take your word this morning, make it real into our lives. Father, we're going to celebrate um, baptisms this morning. And Lord, we just ask you now to use this word in a way in all of our lives, not just people who are being baptized, and not just people who are newly saved, but Father, for each and every one of us, would you solidify this in our hearts, our minds, our spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says that when they received this message, they believed, and about 3,000 were saved. 3,000. What message? What did they hear? They heard a message that would forever change their life. How many remember hearing the message that forever changed your life? The rest of you heard the message under the same the rest of your life. Come on, how many know the gospel of Jesus Christ is a life-changing message? It was a defining moment, a turning point in your life when you came to a revelation of that message. It was a message that would forever change their life. And, and, and what was this message? Well, let's go back up. Now, I want you to go back up with me, and I want you to see what happened. You see, in, in Acts chapter 2, the Bible tells us that there was a, a baptism of the Holy Spirit came that day, and the, the, the Apostles and the disciples began to speak in other tongues. And, and now the people who were there began to mock them and say, ah, they're drunk. They've had too much wine. That's always funny to me. I've been around a lot of drunk people. And I've been around a lot of people speaking in tongues. And I have never confused the two. <laughs> never, never have I confused the two, ever. They don't even look the same. But at any rate. All right? And, and so uh, the Bible tells us that, and they begin to mock, and they begin to say this. And, and Peter begins in verse 14 to get up and speak a sermon. All right? And I want to take you through this sermon a little bit, and I want to show you some of this and what they heard, because it's the message that all of us need to make sure we've heard, that we need to make sure it's the message that we receive, because how many know, I said this a number of months ago, the message you, you receive is the message you become. If you receive a religious message, you will become a religious person. 
If you receive a legalistic message, you will become a legalistic person. All right? If you receive a Best Buy message, you will go to Best Buy, even though I said Staples. <laughs> right? The message that you receive is what you will act upon, and it is what you will do. And how I many know sometimes we need to get an expanded message? Right? But I'll go to that one later. All right. So here we go. Let's pick it up. We're going to pick it up with verse 22 in part of Peter's sermon. He says this, men of Israel, listen to these words. Now you got to understand, right off the bat, that's very important. Men of Israel, men of Jewish descent, men of Judaism, right? Listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs. Let me say something to you. I'm going to be doing a lot of stopping starting. It's interesting, that portion of scripture. Jesus, a Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him. Listen to me this morning. Signs, wonders, and miracles today still testify to who Jesus is. Signs, wonders, and miracles that happen in the name of Jesus still are a testimony of God to who Jesus is. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus, because it's a testimony to who he is. All right. Yeah, I'll get to the message. I'm getting there. All right. He says this which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed him to a cross. How many of that would just like, how many of you would shut him down at that point? You nailed him to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Let's stop right there for a moment. The first thing I want you to understand is that Peter's looking at these people and he's saying, here's the message. Here's the message that you need to hear, that Jesus Christ was crucified. But the reason that he was crucified is because you did it. You did it. You caused this to happen, all right? The Bible, listen to me, the message of the cross, let me tell you what the message of the cross does. The message of the cross should bring a convicting aspect into my life. That the message of the cross should convict me of my sin. You say, why should it convict me of my sin? Because you know, how many of you know it's your sin that put him on the cross? It's my sin that put him on the cross. You see, when I hear the message of the cross, and the message of the cross is this that the guiltless died for the guilty, that the innocent died for the guilty, that the sinless one died for the sinful one. That the holy one died for the unholy. The spotless one died for the spotted. The unblemished died for the blemished. The righteous one died for the unrighteous. The unwicked died for the wicked. You see, the message of the cross, we, sometimes we hear it, but we have a tendency to take the message of the cross and it points at the world as a whole or it points at others. When how many know that the conviction of the cross should come back and point at me? My sin and the sin of the world got him nailed to a cross. Now, let me, let me just, okay, so let me just like kind of really just meddle this morning. So, so that means, Pastor, that you mean, you, mean, you mean my greed? Yes, your greed. You mean my gossip? So I'm going to deal with the church ones first. My gossip, put him on the cross? Yeah. My slander, put him on the cross? Yes. My offense, put him on the cross? Yes. My grudge that I'm holding, put him on the cross? Yes. My unforgiveness that I'm putting on the cross? Yes. My criticism, my, how many know what I'm talking about this morning? Right? 
I put him on that cross. My addiction put him on that cross. My lack of faith put him on that cross. My drunkenness put him on that cross. I could go on and on. My stealing, for those of you who used to be thieves, who no longer are, right? <laughs> All right? It's a good thing. Keep your purses with you. You nailed him to a cross. You see, the Romans didn't nail him to the cross. Oh, they may have. The devil didn't nail him to the cross. The Jewish people didn't nail him to the cross. The sin of the world, the sin of you, the sin of myself, nailed him to the cross. How many of sometimes as Christians, we have a tendency to forget, wait a minute, I was a rotten sinner that put him on the cross. The cross is something that convicts me of my sin. He was crucified by the will of the Father, yes, but it was done by godless men because of godless men. The message of the cross should always remind me of my sin. Let me ask you a question. How many of you like to be reminded of your sin? It's kind of like looking in a mirror. How many of you think you look like something until you look in the mirror? <laughs> like sometimes I'm like, oh, I feel pretty buff today. Yeah, felt pretty good today. Look in the mirror and go, yep, there he is. 54-year-old frumpy fat guy. Yep, there he is. Yep, feeling sexy today. Guys can be 65 years old, got something hanging over their belt and bald head, and they still think they're sexy. <laughs> can I get an amen from the men of the house? And then we look into the mirror and we see the reality of it. And then there's moments where we're feeling really, really good about ourselves and then we look into the mirror called the cross. And the mirror of the cross says, this is what you were. This is who you were. The next time you're feeling pretty superior to people around you, look at the cross. It'll bring you back down to earth. It'll bring you back to earth. It'll bring you back to reality. You see, this message brought a conviction. The message, but here's the, here's the great part about it. So Peter goes on, verse 24, but God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Here's the great news that Peter's preaching. He said, listen, guys, here's the deal. Jesus was a man of God that was sinless, and you put him on a cross, and your sin killed him, and your sin nailed him there. But I got good news. God raised him from the dead. How many know without the resurrection, we have no hope? Without the resurrection, we would have what? We were dead in our sins, right? It brings me to a place of hope. The message of the resurrection is that God has power over death. Because what do men fear? Death. Don't we fear death? Well, some of you say, I don't fear death. Well, then don't go to the doctor anymore. <laughs> don't wear a seatbelt anymore. Get on the roller coaster without strapping in. <laughs> of course, we, we still protect ourselves from death. I'm okay with that. And there's still a fear of the unknown. There's still a fear of death. But yet, because of faith, all of a sudden something happens that the resurrection of Jesus Christ brings hope. That says, watch what he says. He begins to speak on the prophetic words of King David, right? Verse 25, for David said, I saw the Lord always in my presence. 
for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Listen to me this morning. The message of the resurrection of our Savior is something that brings stability, stability to my life, that I can go through everything that this life throws at me, and I will not be shaken. Why? Because i got a risen Savior who has the keys to death and hell, who's overcome death in the grave, and I shall not be shaken. He goes on and says, and my heart, what she says, my heart and my tongue exalted. You say, Pastor, you're so excited. Yeah, I got a risen Savior. You're darn right I'm excited. <laughs> you're, you're, you're darn right my mouth's going to sing. You're right my mouth's going to shout. You're right my tongue's going to bring praise. Because there's something in here that tells me I've got a living God. I have a living Savior. Amen. That's right. You keep shouting back there. I'm, I, every little squawk of that little baby is an amen. You guys didn't know that? I know that. See, that's the Spirit of God. <laughs> listen to me this morning. Listen, listen, listen. And then he said this. Watch what David says. Moreover, my flesh will live in hope. Do you know every day in this life something tries to steal your hope? Lose a son that'll try to steal your hope. But my hope's not in the son. My hope's in a risen Savior. Your hope is not in your finances. Your hope is not in your business. Your hope is not in your marriage. Your hope is not in your husband or your wife. Your hope is not in, 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 in the President Trump. Your hope is not in Congress. Your hope is not in a political situation. Your hope, the Bible tells me, is in a risen Savior who now causes this flesh to live in hope. Why? Because the Spirit of God in me connects to the Spirit of God that causes my flesh, which is temporary, to live in hope. You see, Peter's preaching this message to these people. They think they're drunk. And Peter begins to preach the gospel. The first part of the gospel message was, your sin put him on the cross. Ouch. But don't worry. God raised him from the dead. God raised him from the dead. Now watch what Peter goes on and says. Now here's where it really starts to get good, right? Watch this. Verse 36, therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Everybody say this with me this morning. I crucified him. Ouch. Ouch. I crucified him. So here's what they heard up to this point. They heard a message that said Jesus was put on the cross by you. You did it. They heard a message that said, but God raised him from the dead. And now they hear that message of conviction mingled with hope. And what do they say? Verse 37, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. Do you remember when the gospel pierced your heart? I hope you have. There was a moment that the gospel pierced your heart. So they were pierced to the heart. And this word means they were agitated. This word means that it was, um, they were pricked and they were agitated. Remember when the gospel agitated you? Not in a negative way, but stirred something up. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart 
And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? I don't know what to do with this. You just told me, you just preached to me that it was my sins that caused him to be nailed to the cross, that I did this. And you just told me that he has conquered death. What do I do with this? Tell me what to do. How many know there's a lot of people that hear it and hear the message and we still need to be told what to do? Because what are we, because how many, okay, let me talk to the men for a moment. Men of the house, husbands of the house. Have there ever been those moments where you just didn't know what to do? Like, okay, does she want me to do this? Or does she want me to do this? I don't know what to do. It's like, okay, I'm going to try this. Only to find out it should have been this. Anybody been there? No, I did not tell you to do whatever you wanted to do, Steve Miles. And I'm going to, that's it. You know what I'm talking about. Okay. Right? The reason you're in trouble is your own dumb fault. Okay. <laughs> but you go, you go, you're not sure. You're in uncharted territory. And you're like, okay, let me give you, let me give you advice. You ready? This is what you do. Honey, what should I do? Okay, all right, there's, there's sometimes when Penny would get in the car, we, just, we used to travel a lot, we lived up the mountain back and forth to work together. And there'd be times we'd have discussions on things and she'd be going on and on. So I literally got to the places, this is what I did. Honey, are you venting or am I supposed to fix this? I, I, I just need to know. If you're venting and I'm going to be sensitive and I'm going to be quiet and, and I'm just going to let you vent. But if I'm supposed to fix this, I need to know. So we have it done. At one point, she's looking at me. One time she started, and she said, I'm not wanting you to fix this. I'm just venting. Okay. Because how many know if she's venting, and, 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 and if you hear her, and you think she's venting, and she wants you to fix it, and you don't fix it, how many know you're in the doghouse? And how many know if she wants you to fix it, and all you do is let her vent, you're in the doghouse? So how many know you better just look at her and say, what do you want me to do? After I, I, I did this, I, I was telling somebody the other night, Lindsay and Ben, we were, uh, I, I said, when, when Nick passed away, it was the, the, we, we buried him and it was after that. And I looked at her and said, I need you to tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. I, in my own self, I'm going to jump back in the saddle. I'm going to go preach. I'm going to go punch the devil in the face. <laughs> All right. I, I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to do. But I need to know what you want me to do for you. I don't want to guess. You want me to stay home? Do you want me to spend time with What do you want? And she said, why don't you stay home? Okay. Knew what to do. Here comes these men, these people who are hearing this message. This message that they killed Jesus. That they nailed him to a cross. They heard the message of hope. And they don't know what to do. They said, what shall we do? Tell us what to do. It prompts me to ask a question. I know I'm a sinner. I know I caused this. I know it was my fault. I now stand condemned I know that I'm unrighteous. I know that I'm in need of something, but I don't know what it is. What should I do about the sin that caused this to happen? What should I do to make amends for it? I mean, no, you can't make amends. 
the message of the cross, the message of Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, prompts me to say, what should I do? And Peter gives an answer, right? And Peter hears the, he hears the question. What should we do? This is what he says. Peter says, repent. Repent. Hmm. To change your mind on how you've thought. To change your mind on how you act. To change your course of direction. To turn towards God. If the message you heard did not cause repentance, you did not hear the message of the cross. Let me say it again. If the message that you received did not cause you to repent, you did not receive the message of the gospel. Now, some of you got this instant connotation of, oh, oh, about weeping and gnashing and mourning. No, no. It doesn't, it, you can, how many know you can repent without a tear? You repent. It's just like this. I'm going this way. What? Oh, forget that. I just repented. I just repented. Right? But what happens is many people will hear the message and begin to try to justify. Many people will hear the message and begin to minimize. Many people will hear the message and try to point the finger at others, even God. Uh, how many of you ever heard this? Well, if God wouldn't have put that tree in the garden, men wouldn't have sinned. So because I gave you everything you needed in the garden, I locked up the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so you wouldn't die. You broke the law, it's my fault. I protected you by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And now it's my fault. When we had the drug rehab many, many years ago, one of our rules was you couldn't smoke. The way it was. And so one of the days we had a work day and the guys did a great job. Was, man, they just did a phenomenal bang-up job and wanted to reward them. So I took them to a nice restaurant, took them, got them steaks and appetizers and man we just had a we had a feast right next week i caught this dude smoking and i caught him smoking he looked at me and said it's your fault i said my fault how's it my fault you took us to a restaurant people were smoking and i got the itch <laughs> it ain't my fault i mean you ever blame god for your sin Bible says to me that God, God doesn't tempt anyone, nor can he be tempted. My God is not a co-conspirator with your sin. Ever hear somebody say this? Well, God led me into that because... No, he didn't. He never led you into sin. God never led you into sin. The message, we try to minimize. We try to point our fingers. Many hear the message and run the other way from God. Run away from. Some run the religion. That makes us feel good. Some run the works. Some run the legalism. Some run the other stuff. But Peter said to them, when they asked, what do we do? He said, repent. Repent, turn, change the way that you're thinking. And then he says, and be baptized. We're doing baptism today. He says, and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Let me stop there. Let me point out a couple of things real quickly. I want to remind each and every one of you. I know this is kind of elementary for some of you. But I think it needs a refresher. Baptism doesn't save anybody. You are not saved by being baptized. You are not cleansed of your sin by being baptized. You are not free from guilt because you are baptized. Baptism does not wash away your sin. The only thing that cleanses you from sin is what Jesus Christ did on Calvary by his blood. And you receive that by faith. 
All right? That's it. So today, if you're going into baptism thinking that this is cleansing me from my sin, no, it's not. All right? Now, I want you to hear this. So Peter says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, watch this. Peter is speaking to a Jewish audience. Right? A Jewish audience who worshiped Judaism, which they should have up to that point. The sacrifice of bulls and goats and lambs. The religious system, the temple system. And he was saying to them, repent of your sin and be baptized, which would have meant they were cut off from Judaism, their family, their friends, and their political status because they were being baptized into the name of Jesus. Do you understand what it meant for these people to be baptized? 3,000 people on this day were saying, I'm all in. 3,000 people were saying, I don't care if I'm cut off from everything I've ever known, that I've ever been a part of. I've been a part of baptisms in India. I've been a part of baptisms in Egypt, in Africa. Many times these are converts from Islam. And you have to understand what it meant for them. It doesn't have the same connotation here today in America. But for somebody in another country such as India, for them to have been baptized in the name of Jesus, first of all, I want you to know this. They could die. They could die. They could be killed by their family. And listen to me. They could be killed, and the people who do the killing would be considered heroes. Right? That they could be killed for it. It meant that their family was going to ostracize them. It meant that their family was going to be aside. Everything they had ever known, they were now being cut off from. And they were saying, no, no, no. We are in. We are all in. Now, for these people to be baptized, it meant the exact same thing. That they'd be leaving their religion, their religious practices. The baptism would be a cutting off. They were giving up Judaism and its practices. They were giving up their nationalism. What Peter was saying was repent change your mind, turn to the Father, turn to God, and now he says to them, and be baptized, which was the equivalent of saying, die. And die. Because how many know that's what baptism is? It's a dying with him, to be raised with him. That you die, be baptized, die with Christ, die for the one who died for your sin, die to your past, die to your way of living, die to the former life. 3,000 people that day were saved. 3,000 publicly baptized. It was an identification and a disidentification at the same time. What they were saying was, at this moment in time, is I'm now identifying with Christ and I'm disidentifying with my old life. How many of you like to say goodbye to an old life? How many of you are glad you said goodbye to an old life? Because baptism says I'm dead, but it also says, but now I'm alive in Christ. I'm a new creation. Now watch what Peter says. I'm almost done. Aren't you glad? He says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So here's a group of people. This is what they've heard. You killed them. You nailed them to the cross. It's your fault. God raised them from the dead. They don't know what to do. 
Peter says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. Right? Which meant that they were dying to the old life and being born new. Hmm. Then he says, then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How many know Peter was not talking about tongues? All right? Can I say this? Peter was not talking about the gift of tongues that they had received earlier. Peter was talking about the one and only person of the Holy Spirit. That you shall receive the Holy Spirit. How many know the Bible tells us that when we come to Christ by faith, how many know the Bible says that he puts his spirit inside of us as a guarantee of what is it? How many know the Holy Spirit now helps me live this new life because I just died an old one and I don't know how to live this new one? <laughs> you cannot live the new life without obeying the Spirit of God. You cannot live the new life without the Spirit of God in your life. Listen to me. It is not get, repent and be baptized and live according to the old pattern of the world. It is live and be baptized and live according to the new pattern of the world. But how do I live according to the new? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God lives inside of us. You're talking about a people who were raised and trained in a system. How many of you know, even at this point, they didn't have the New Testament to read like you and I? What would happen in your life? Just out of curiosity. If I took the Bible out of your life today, could you still hear from God? Somebody say, don't mess with my Bible. I love the Bible. I'm asking you. Yes, of course you could. Why? Because I mean, you know, it's the Spirit of God that brings you a word of God, a rhema word of God from the Spirit of God. You receive a gift. He's not talking about tongues. He's talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. About receiving the Spirit of the one. Listen to me. Receiving the Spirit of the one with whom you are being identified with. His Spirit lives in me. Think about this. Jesus went to John the Baptist, and he was baptized. And when he was baptized, the Bible says he came out of the water. And then the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove and remained on him. And then the Spirit led him powerfully into and through this new life. That's the same Spirit that lives in you. The same Spirit that lives in you. You come to a place where you hear a message that convicts your heart. You hear a message that brings hope to your heart. You say, what should I do? And the scripture says, repent, change your path, change your thinking, turn to the Father and be baptized, which is dying to yourself. Die to the past. Kill the man. How many are ready to kill the man? How many know that man loves to try to resurrect himself? I saw a glimpse of him yesterday. That's why you should never go golfing. Golf will have a way of bringing the old guy to life, let me tell you. <laughs> Kill the man. Let God raise a new man. I watch this, and I'm almost done. Very basic message today. They said, what shall we do? Peter says, repent and be baptized. And receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to lead you, guide you, teach you. To mold you and shape you. And it says, those who received his word were baptized. And that day there were added 
3,000 souls. There were more than 3,000 people there. Sometimes we like to think, oh, everybody there got saved. No, they didn't. It's like every other church service. 3,000 people heard it, received it, baptized. And there were others who didn't. Because the message that you receive is the message that you become. Watch this. This is very important. There were 3,000 souls added to their numbers. And then they, watch this, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and breaking of bread. Why? Why? Why is this important? (laughs) Why? These are 3,000 people who were part of Judaism. 3,000 people trained in the Old Testament law. 3,000 people who knew the Old old Covenant. 3,000 people who knew an old way of life. And they needed somebody to teach them a new way of life. Listen to me this morning. You come and you get saved. It leads you into a new way of life. And it's time you start listening to somebody. Oh, boy. Come on. I'm going to meddle for just a moment. Can I meddle for just a moment? Good. I'm glad you gave me permission. Listen to me. You need to learn how to live the new life in Christ. You do not live the new life in Christ according to the old pattern of life. You need to have people in your life who you receive instruction from and teaching from, and you need the Holy Spirit in your life. And who's thumping? Is that me? Get back to my space. Right? Listen to me for a moment. Some of you have gone back to where you've gone because of pride in your life. (laughs) Can I get an amen? That you won't receive instruction, you won't receive teaching, you won't step under authority, you won't come to a place where you allow somebody to lead you and guide you, and you're wondering why you're back in the same mess you've always been in. I'm not being mean. But you can't live a new life on your own. The Bible says this, that they continually devoted themselves to the teaching and to the fellowship. You know why this is important? They just got disowned. They just got disowned. They were living as part of the old covenant system. They just got disowned by their religion. They just got disowned by their nation, they just got disowned because they were baptized in the name of Jesus. You need fellowship because for some of you, the moment you step out of your old life, you don't have any friends anymore. Especially when it's an old life that's a rough old life. Where your friends were drugs, other people battling drugs and alcohol and whatever else. Listen to me. You're not better than them. You're different than them. It's time to leave. And I'll tell you this also. See, I've been around this enough, especially that component of it, to know that you will get disowned and you will get criticized and you will get maligned by the crowd you used to be with. That's why you've got to find the crowd that now is walking where you walked and doing what you're doing. There's fellowship there. 
The Bible says that they were the apostles teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Why? Because they had to have their minds renewed. What's the message? The message is really kind of simple, isn't it? The message is simple. We're going to celebrate baptism this morning. Because when I look into Scripture, what I see in the book of Acts is that everybody who was baptized in the book of Acts heard a message. They heard the message, and the message was, and I'm going to ask our baptism candidates to please get ready, and uh, when you're ready, come up and sit in this front row right here in front of me. There's lots of nice seats because you have to come early to get a back seat in here, and so there's lots of, like, nice seats here. But everywhere I look in the book of Acts, when people were baptized, it was preceded by somebody preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ that preached the cross, that preached the resurrection. And then people received that message. And when they received that message, they said, what do I got to do? What should I do? Repent and be baptized. You see, because I think there's something really cool about this. I did this, I think, back in January. Because it's a declaration out of your heart It says, I'm all in. I'm all in. And I also believe that it's this. Let me go to the scripture. I believe that when we are dying to ourselves, we're being resurrected, that this, let me read you the scripture. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. The greatest thing that you can offer to God in worship is not a song. The greatest thing you can offer to God in worship is not money. The greatest thing that you can offer yourself in worship is your life your whole life. And I believe that baptism is something where we say, here I am to worship you. Here I am. You can have it all. Here I am. I received the message and now I'm coming back and giving you all of me. Amen. What message have you received? What message have you received? Have you received the gospel message? Come on back. Come on over this. Or have you received a religious message? Have you received the gospel message or have you received a church message? Have you received the gospel message? Or have you received a legalistic message? Listen to me this morning. Some of you are sitting in this house and you said, I, 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 I was saved 37 years ago. Praise God. Praise God. But what message are you living by today? What message are you living by today? I, need, I, should, wear, I should have worn one of those t-shirts. Do you have any smalls? <laughs> well, what's so funny? You obviously didn't receive the message. The reason that this is so important is I go back to that phrase. The message you receive is the message you will become. 
message you receive is the message you'll become. And when I receive a message by faith, I become a person of faith. When I receive a message that brings me grace, I become a person of grace. When I, become a, when I receive a religious message, I become a religious mess. <laughs> Get that? Let me say that one again. When I become a religious mess, when I receive a religious message, I become a religious mess. How many of you ever met a religious mess? Point to them. No, I'm just kidding. If I really receive a legalistic message, I become a legalistic person and I hold everybody under that yoke of religion. But when I receive a message that I know that I'm wrong, that I know that I caused it, but I know that my God raised the one I put to death to life. Now I repent and I turn to him and I say, I'm all in. I'm all in. So Father, this morning, we celebrate a moment where people are coming into this house to say, you know what? I'm all in. I heard the message. I get the message. I want to live the message. I want to be the message. People are saying, I repent. And today, what they're saying is, I'm all in. I'm dying to myself. I'm dying to the old life. And I'm born anew. And I'm born again. New life. Spirit of God leading me. Spirit of God guiding me. Spirit of God teaching and molding me. And so, Father, may we take a few moments and we will celebrate this together in this house because this is a a, a community of believers where we share in fellowship. So let us all rejoice together, together in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Nice that you took the heater out for us so we don't get electrocuted. I mean, no, that would make the headlines. You too. Speak well of me when I'm dead. Well, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Where's Kelsey? Kelsey. What are you doing hiding over there? You have a daddy. You want to bring daddy with you? Come on, Kelsey. Why don't you lead the way? And a child shall lead them. Where's the... Where's the are you, are you going to say anything? Sing a song? Do a dance? <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Come on down here. All the way down here. See? If you sit right there, I got you. All right? You make that shirt look good. You know? Listen, proud of you. So glad you're here. I'm glad to do this. You're a beautiful little girl. Inside and out. Jesus loves you. You love him? Sure you do. All right? Let's baptize you. Put this right there. There you go. Kelsey, because you, as a young child, you heard the message. The message that we talked about today. You heard it. And you received it as a young child. You're saying today, I'm all in. Such a cool way to put it. Right? That I'm all in. And so I'm going to baptize you in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Next, we have...
David Bonanno from the Bonanno crime family. I'm just kidding. You want to say, say anything? Uh, I was going to, but I was just told I'm not allowed. Well, I'm telling you, you are allowed. Because it, it has to do with her, so. Ah, well, then I, I'm not touching that one. I, no, no, I'm touching that one. That's between you two. <laughs> nice and warm, yeah. We like, to, we like to try to make things nice around here. Well, there was one time, I got to tell you, we was in ice cold water, but I wasn't in it. <laughs> we're, just, we're just getting to know each other, you know? And uh, I don't know much about your past, but I do know about your future. God's got a great plan for you. Got a great plan for your future. Don't even know what it is, but I'm just telling you, just as a, kind of an exhortation, God's got a great plan for your life. He's going to do some healing of the past. He's going to take you into the future. All right. So, anyhow, put this on you. That on your nose. That there, right? And David, because you heard a message and you received that message and you received it by faith, that's the only way you can receive it. Because you received it, you repent of your sins and you're saying, man, I'm all in. My old man is dying. My new man is being raised to life and I'll be led by the Spirit. So I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Congratulations. All right. Next will be Melissa Miley. <laughs> she looked at the mic and said, oh, no. You guys can walk out this way on this thing if you want to and go get dry. It's up to you. Or you can sit there. It's fine. thinking of you today whenever I was looking at the list about the baptism we're about to do. And we're just going to pray that when we baptize you and put you under the water, that it's a symbolism of your identification with Christ and disidentification with some other things. And also, we're going to just pray that, you know what, some things get left there. Some things get left there. That there's some things that get left under that water never to be seen again, never to be experienced again, never to be felt again, that have no more influence in your life. You know? You know what I'm talking about, right? Amen. All right. Come here. You want your wash to get wet? It's just wet. No, it's fine. It's fine? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Melissa, because you heard the message, because you received the message, and again, you receive it by faith. You don't receive it by works. You don't receive it by legalism, but you receive that message by faith. And now what you're saying is, I'm all in. I'm giving myself as a sacrifice. I'm giving myself as an offering. The old person is dying. The new person is raised to life. And so, Father, we baptize her in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Chrissy Wallace. I have a shy group, you can notice. 
Nope, she's not saying. You're shaking. You're cold and nervous. No. <laughs> you know, God's going to heal some wounds. You know that? I, I don't even, I, listen, I don't even know what they are. But God's going to heal them. All right? We often say that, and we know this, that the Bible says that what the devil meant for evil, God turns for good. But many times the way he turns to things for good in our life is doing a healing in our life. Okay? That we let go of old things, we are healed by him, and then that way good things can come out of what the devil meant for evil. And so there's going to be a healing in your life. Okay? All right. And Christy, again, just like everybody else, you heard a message. And this message that you heard prompted you to say, what should I do? This message that you heard caused faith to arise in your heart and receive that message. And so now you're saying, I'm all in. I want to lead a different life. The old person's gone. New person's being raised, empowered by the Spirit of God. And so because of that, I'm now going to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I got you. I got you. I haven't dropped anybody yet. I haven't, I haven't dropped anybody. I, I'm like Jesus. I've lost none that you've given to me. Scott Walter. <laughs> There's nobody going to say anything. I'm doing him first because Scott has been coming and he has been a part of our church for a while. And, and, um, He's got, a, he's got a family affair here today. His mom and his dad and his brother are going to join him. How many think that's cool? You know, there's often times in the book of Acts where you see whole families being baptized. And this is really a cool moment, you know, and, and you're a bit of a catalyst for this today. Amen? So, love you. I, I remember the one that I spoke of you. Was your name something about wanderings? Yeah. Yeah, his name, Scott, had something to do with, with wanderings. And I remember speaking to you that you felt like that, that wanderer. You've been wandering. Where do I fit in and where do I, where do I, where do I go? And just this whole wandering season of your life. And, and if I don't remember what I said that night, but I know what I'm going to say right now, is that the, the people of God were led from Egypt to the promised land. But in between there was a period of wandering. Okay, and God's bringing you out of the years of wandering into the years of plenty into the promised land, into the promises that you you're won't be a wanderer anymore because let me tell you what, wanderers became sons in the wilderness and that's who you are. So how that looks and what it's going to look like, I don't know. But all I want you to know is that wandering season is over. You're going to know where you fit, know who you are. God's going to bring a lot of good things into your life. All right? All right, put that hand over there. There you go. Put this one up here. God. Scott, you've heard this message. You received the message by faith. When you received that message by faith, something in your heart said, I want to be baptized. I'm all in. The old man gone. The new man born again. And so because of that, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's have his brother, David, 
I'll bet he doesn't say anything either. You want to say something? <laughs> you see, turn around once. The shirt says it all. These are people of few words up here today. They're like your pastor. asking him what his necklace was for. He says, for my girlfriend, the one back there with the flash on. <laughs> Amen. Hey, you know what? Good to meet you. You know? And um, I'm glad you received the message of Jesus Christ. It's going to be a whole new way of living. You can experience things you've never experienced before. Don't know anything about your past. All I know is there's turning points in our lives. There's defining moments in our lives. And today's going to be a defining moment. A moment that you look back in history and say, man, things were so different from that moment on. Things were so different. And you can point to this day. Point to this day. Amen? Let's put that hand on your nose. Put this on your wrist. So David, because you've heard a message and you have received that message and you receive it with faith and uh, it caused a repentance in your heart to say, I don't want to live that way anymore. And you receive this message. You're saying, I'm all in. And all in means I'm going to get doused. I'm going to get dipped. I'm going to get covered. And so, Father, I'm going to baptize him now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And last but not least would be David and Shirley Longenbacher. I'm going to ask them to come together. It's kind of nice. This is Scott's and David's mom and dad. Who wants to go first? You'll go first? We got you. Yep, I'll let you do whatever you want to do. You know, it's funny, it funny. We were in the class this morning, and I answered that question. I asked the question, why was Jesus baptized? And you said, that's a good question. I want to know that. You know, and I love that response. That's a good question. I want to know that. You know, and I think there's a lot of things you want to know. Yes, there is. There's a lot of things you want to know. Let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to get the answers to a lot of things. There'll be some things you're never going to get the answer to. Okay? But I really believe that God is going to give you some answers you've been searching for for a while. He gave you a lot already. Amen. You should have been dead three times. Praise God. How many? Three years ago. Three years ago. Three years ago, they told me they had a year to live. Amen. By God. That's right. That's right. That's right. See that? They didn't want to give a testimony. He just did. I tricked you. <laughs> That's right. Listen, I'm happy to do this today, all right? But there's some answers coming that you've been searching for. Amen. Put that hand on your nose. And David, because of your receiving the message that you heard, and I love that you're even just giving glory to God right now, 
that you received this message and you receive it by faith and and you're saying I'm all in. I am all in. Amen. 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 And because of that, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I got you. I got you. bringing you one. Amen. Y'all, thank you. The pleasure. with a heart on it. Anything special about that? No? Amen. Amen. Your life's covered because of that cross. You know that. Yeah. And he's giving you three more years with that guy. Yeah. Uh, It's my pleasure to do this today. All right. Let's put this hand here. Shirley, because you have received the message of the cross that you wear around your neck, that it's the message of a Savior that you put there. But yet God raised him from the dead for you. And so today you heard that message, you received that message by faith, and you're saying, I'm all in. So now I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I have you. something pretty cool whenever you see a family being baptized and moms and dads and sons are helping them in and out. It's just something cool about that, isn't there? How many of you say with me this morning, I'm all in? How many of you are all in? Amen. Well, Father, it's been a good day that we get to share with our brothers and our sisters. We get to celebrate with them as they make a declaration that says, I heard a message and I received a message and I'm going to become that message. And they say, I'm all in. The old is gone, the new has come. We celebrate it together. We ask you to bless them this week. Father, I ask you to bless this house and everybody leaving here today. Bless them this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.